Amen. This morning I've titled my sermon, Let God Be God. And I, I'll be honest, I struggled on whether to do this passage or skip over this small couple of verses here. Because it's really tough, this one that's coming up. It's just kind of, and it's so, you hear a lot about it. You hear a lot about it, especially uh, people on the outside who really, I mean, even my uh, non-Christian friends know how to quote this scripture in some sense or the other. And I really thought about pushing it back and I really did go back and forth several times. And like I said, it's probably a very controversial it's about judging people. Because I have, I have had so many people who've told me, so many people who've told me, you Christians are the most judgmental people ever. And then we ourselves as a church, we say, hey, we, we're not judging you, you know. We always say we're not judging you. Or we say, or, or you know, you say... You, What they say is, you're always judging us. And so is it okay to judge? Is it okay to judge? And what does the Bible say about it? And in James, again, there are different passages. But in James, he talks about it very differently right now. So turn with me to James chapter 4 again and verses 11 and 12. We did up to verse 10 last week. And this 11 and 12, and I was, like I said, I was really going to just skip over that and get to James 5. But this is, like I said, challenging. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Like I said, I don't know what to say. (laughs) In the context that James is talking about, the point that he's making here and we'll look at it a little more but the point that jumped out to me is when you judge you speak against the law what is the law he's talking about here i know a lot of people think he's talking about the old testament law yes in a sense but i think what he's referring to there here in this passage he's talking to what jesus says the greatest law is what is the greatest law according to jesus which is the greatest commandment love your neighbor as yourself and love God. And that's what James is addressing right here. Because when we judge in this context, we're not judging. We're judging the law of love, basically. And of course, he says there's, there is only one judge. And who is that? The one judge, one lawgiver and one judge. The one who's able to save and destroy. He's talking about God himself. And in James's context, he's saying that anytime you judge, you're basically playing the role of God. And that's why I titled my sermon, Let God Be God. Let God be God. We need to quit playing God because we do that sometimes more often than not. And we don't even realize that. 
And this morning as I share a few things from the Bible and from this passage, it just, again, it's not just straight from this passage, just taken from different, uh, different contexts here. We talk about Romans 2 verse 3 and I have plenty of scriptures and if you want to write them down and take a look at them later, I'm sorry. Like I said, I didn't get the outline in time to uh, BJ to put on there. But Romans 2 chapter three, uh, 2 verse 3, it says, So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? What's Paul trying to say there? Paul's saying when you judge others, don't you know? You're going to be judged the same way. And so I want to talk about initially, I've just broken it down, on why people judge sometimes. Why do we judge? And I think Paul really hits on an important point right here. Sometimes we judge, I shouldn't say sometimes, very often we judge people, other people to excuse our own faults. We judge, and this is what I wrote down, we judge to deflect the attention from ourselves to someone else. Somehow, we think if I point a finger at somebody else, God's going to forget what I really did and look at the other person who's done something way worse than I did. Our favorite line is, at least I'm not doing what he did, right? At least I'm not doing what she did, and somehow I deflect the blame from the seriousness or the seriousness of my own mistake. And we use it to excuse, I mean, to blame others and feel good about ourselves. I'm not as bad as him. We compare ourselves to someone else because we judge them. And then because we see how bad they are, we feel good, feel good about ourselves. Someone said, we love to accuse others and excuse ourselves. And we do it really, really subtly. When we love, again, when we judge others, we, we do it, you know, we do it by just relabeling things. And we do this really well in church, especially. We rebuild, relabel things. I don't want to spread gossip. I'm just sharing a concern. You know, I'm not being negative. I'm just being realistic. Have you heard that one before? I'm just being realistic. You know, I'm not being critical. I'm just being discerning sometimes. And... It's good, but we know where our heart is. We know where our heart is. And the second thing, one reason we judge is because we try and deflect the blame. And the second reason we, uh, we judge is because it appeals to our pride, actually. It appeals to our pride because we feel good about ourselves when we judge someone else. Proverbs 26, 22. Uh, Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels, he says. They go down to the inmost parts. I don't know if you've ever eaten, we're going to eat a really good meal pretty soon, right? By the way, I just found out you can take a butterball turkey on a plane. I'm not doing it, but you're allowed to ca- it's allowed to carry it on. I was like, that would be the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> carry on a butterball turkey on a plane, but... It's not going to make it 32 hours. So, but you get the idea. He's talking about a morsel, you know, a really good juicy bite. And you think about it. You eat a meal and it's this one that hits the spot. And as I was thinking about this, I kind of laughed at myself. Because it hits the spot. You know what I'm talking about? 
you burp an hour later and it still tastes good. <laughs> that's gross, but that's the kind of thing. That's what he's trying to say when it comes to gossip. It's the same thing he's saying there. That sense of satisfaction that there is comes from gossip. I don't know why, but it does. Have you ever wondered why, you know, everybody, once there is gossip, everybody's all ears. They won't hear anything else. But once you start talking about somebody else and everybody's paying attention. And I'm like, why? Because we're judging people in one form or the other. We can't just wait to hear what someone has to say about something else or somebody else. We just we have this, everybody, there was this thing, we have this natural ability to gossip because we're just made to gossip. I don't know. We weren't made to gossip. But we just have this natural ability to do it. Here's what gossip really does. And I think it's a sin. It, not I think. The Bible says it's a sin. Because when we gossip, we're actually judging people Because we have our own self-righteous attitude and we're looking down on someone else and what they did. And it just ultimately is our pride that's getting in the way. It's ultimately about a pride. And you know what Jesus condemns more than anything else? It's pride. Pride. You can find it in every single person all the way to Adam. He just wasn't satisfied being who he was supposed to be. He wanted to be someone else. That pride. Got him in trouble. You got to be careful. Like I said. Again. Just phrases. that I was just reading up on this. You know. I'm just sharing something. You know. We, be careful what we share. Be careful what we share about others. One preacher said. How many times do our prayer chains become gossip grapevines? I'm like. Wow. That's interesting. It's true though. How many times, and this is sad to say, but it's true. How many times when we hear someone, another brother or sister has fallen, do we stand there in judgment? I don't know. It goes a long way because of our own pride. I like what one preacher says. The Bible teaches that we often tend to judge other people because we think it's going to put us in a better position in front of God. Always remember, and this is a famous saying, always remember when you point one finger, there are three other fingers pointing back at you. Suppose one person, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's silly because somehow we think a person who has two million dollars in debt and I have only one million dollar in debt and somehow I think I'm better than him. At the end of the day, it's the same thing. Don't fool yourself. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that our debt is less. Anyway, That's some of the reasons we judge people. But why should we not judge people? And I think that's where James comes in right here in this uh, this passage especially. He says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother judges him, speaks against law and judges itself. The reason we should not judge is because we are a family. Like it or not, we are a family. We are the bride of Christ. The body of Christ, in other words, another part of the Bible says. We are part of one body. We don't judge one another. We don't rejoice because someone has fallen. We don't judge. We're so quick. I know we do this all the time. When someone is going through a hard time, someone is struggling in the body. Sometimes we look from afar and in our minds we are made up. You know, it just goes to show what real spirituality they have. 
It really goes to show what their relationship with Christ really is. And somehow they're struggling with something else. But the truth is this. We shouldn't judge. We're a family because when one part hurts, we all are supposed to hurt too. Not looking at it at pride and thank God for me not having fallen and the other person fell. Understand that part of a family is making up, going alongside, encouraging, lifting up. I always say this, when someone falls down, we Christians are good at stretching out our hand in condemnation rather than stretching out our hand and picking them up. Why do we do that? In family, we're called to look at each other in love and encourage, get alongside someone who's fallen down, get alongside someone who's struggling and encourage them. And that's why he says your brothers, he uses brothers. Actually, he uses three times in this passage in the Greek. He uses three times brothers, brothers, brothers. The reason is he's trying to show us that we are part of one family. We stand by each other. We stand by each other. And the truth is, we already have one person who's an accuser. That's his one job, to stand in accusation before God and make fun of us like he did for Job. You really think Job is worshipping you because, you know, because he loves you? No, he's worshipping you because you've given him all these good things. And he stands there accusing us all the time. It's the word actually in the Hebrew is hasatan, in the, in the, especially in Job. And a lot of my study is in Job. And hasatan, we, in the Bible, it's translated as Satan. But actually, Hasatan really has the meaning of the accuser. Yes, it's talking about Satan, but it's talking about this accuser right there. Talking about, hey, you think he really worships you because you love him, because he loves you. No, he doesn't. And the truth is actually in that passage, if you read Job, and you can talk to me about Job. I love Job. The reason is, why did God allow that to happen? Very often people say, why did God allow that to happen? The point is, he wasn't just a test for Job. What was he doing? He was accusing God of favoritism there. We don't think about that part. He's actually accusing God. You, you know what? It's you're the one who's allowing him. He's accusing God of favoritism there. And there is one person who's just constantly accusing. Why do we as a church and a body, as a family, need to go and accuse someone else too? Stand along them. Don't slander, it says. Encourage. Secondly, why should we not judge? Because it's unloving. That's the whole point of the law here. The greatest commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. When you judge someone, you're breaking that law. You're breaking that law. I'm breaking that law of love, if you want to call it that. We're breaking the greatest command. And so we don't judge or should not judge people because it is unloving. And I like the third part here. Why should we not judge? Because there is only one true judge. There really is only one lawgiver and one judge. And that word lawgiver actually is used six times totally. Five in the Old Testament. Talking about God as the lawgiver. And only here. This is the only time in the New Testament the same word is used. Lawgiver which is God. There is only one lawgiver. There is he is. That's God's. That's his description. Part of his description. He is a lawgiver. He is the judge. So quit playing God. Let God be God. We don't judge because we need to let God be God. One of the greatest weaknesses in today's world is that we tend to generalize people by the one mistake that they make. 
we write of people they make one mistake and we are so quick to just write them off totally we generalize so easily but let god be god that god who is the true judge let him judge let him judge god is the rightful judge he's a just judge he doesn't treat us the way we we ought to be treated he judges with mercy he judges with grace let god be god let god be god my mom sent me this message uh two days back and it was just a story and it's of course it's a highly unlikely story but i thought the principle was so to the point because she says talks about this a man goes to church and this is what she sent me a, a text message a man goes to church with his family one sunday but in the middle of the sermon his cell phone rang the pastor stopped and glared down at him admonishing him the elders made it a point to tell him about it that he was being disrespectful after service of course his wife nagged him all the way home and the kids made fun of him because he was just useless needless to say he never set foot in church again that same night he decided to go to the pub he was still upset about everything that had happened and as he was sipping on his drink his unsteady hands made the glass slip and crashed to the floor the waiter brought him a napkin to wipe himself up happens to the rush and started mopping off the floor the server came back and brought him another drink and simply said it happens to the best of us guess where he ended up every night i know it's it's a totally untrue story but the principal makes such a good point right there Sometimes we just get caught up judging someone when all we need to do the world has a better job at welcoming and and loving people than we as a church do. Let God be God. Just don't dismiss people because of something that they've gone wrong, some mistake that they've made because of some failure. Let's show grace and mercy. When is it wrong to judge people and these are different scriptures I have uh given to you. The first one is in Romans 2. Romans 2 verses 1 2 and 3 It's wrong uh, please understand the bible tells us there are portions in the bible where it tells us to judge okay it tells us to judge to be discerning it does tell us that but i'm focusing on when not to i'm looking at the passages that say not to judge at this time It's wrong to judge another person when you are struggling with the same sin Romans says that you therefore have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge others you're condemning yourself for you who pass judgment do the same thing now we know that god's judgment on those who do such thing is based on truth so when you a mere man passes judgment on them and yet you do the same thing do you think you'll escape god's judgment simple here we don't judge it's wrong to judge people when we are fighting that same battle struggling with the same sin i don't have a right to speak up because when i'm speaking up like that i'm speaking with a man without any integrity when i am struggling with the same thing and i i always think about the woman caught in adultery right there brought to jesus what does he say you has no sin cast that first stone and they all walk away And so we have no right to judge when we are struggling with the same kind of sin. Secondly, it's wrong to judge 
And this is from Matthew 7. You can write this down. Matthew 7 verses 3 to 5. Matthew 7, 3 to 5. It's wrong to judge someone when it blinds me to my own faults. It's wrong to judge someone when it blinds me to my own faults. And this is a common passage. It says in Matthew 7, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a plank in your own eye? And then he says, Matthew said, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. It's wrong to judge someone when it blinds us to the faults that we have. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount and I think this is part, if you read big chunks of the Sermon on the Mount, you see Jesus' sense of humor. Actually, he's being really sarcastic right here. It's like telling someone, I'll take that sawdust out of your eye and you don't realize that you have like a two by four hanging out of, sticking out of your own eye. No wonder the disciples would laugh, right? They're like, oh yeah, we know what you're trying to say. And then he says, why do we do that? We cannot judge. It's wrong to judge someone when it blinds us to our own, to our own faults. And here's the truth. When we judge someone and as we judge someone, if it, does, if it doesn't cause us to examine our own lives too, there's something wrong with that judgment. When you stand in judgment on someone else or for someone else about something that they did, if that does not cause you to examine your own life too, there's something wrong about it right there. We're good at nitpicking, right? But we forget the plank in our own eye. The third reason it's wrong to judge based on outward appearances. We know this already. It's wrong to judge based on outward appearances. John 7.24. John 7.24. Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearance and make a right judgment. We cannot base our our judgment on outward appearances. Yet we do that all the time. Our first impression What does that really mean? How do you get a first impression? Just by looking at that person, right? And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop judging based on that first 15 seconds that you see someone. Or talk to them or hear them. We know judge, you know, we size people up. That's what we call it. We just size them up, correct? And then we come to our conclusion right away. And you know the scripture of David. What is, I mean, when David was anointed king, what does Jesus, what does Jesus, what does Samuel say? Hey, don't look on what? The outward appearances. Because God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at what? The heart. So when God looks at the heart, why do we judge based on the outside? It's wrong to judge someone just based on their outward appearance. Number four, it's wrong to judge someone Before you hear all the facts. It's wrong to judge someone before you hear all the facts. And that's from John 7.51. It's the story of Nicodemus. John 7.51. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier. And who was one of their own. He's talking about the Sanhedrin right there. This is Nicodemus. And then he says, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out 
what he is doing. He says you can't condemn a person before you hear all the facts. Before you hear all the facts. You can't write of somebody before you hear all the facts. We don't even wait for all the facts. Like I said, we just had that 15 minutes and that's it. We've already made our judgment about somebody else. It's unwise to make a judgment before you see or hear all the facts. Don't jump to conclusion based on what someone else says. Don't jump to conclusions just because you hear one side of the story. I actually like to say there are always three sides of the story. His side, her side and God's side. You need to hear all three before you can even say anything. Don't be quick to judge. It's wrong to judge somebody before you know all the facts. And I've had this true story about this young man who came to me. I mean, he was just a freshman in Bible college. And he came to me really upset one time. Because he saw, he saw a pastor uh, who's actually a friend of mine, really good friend of mine. He saw this pastor uh, throw away a bottle of alcohol. Drive up to something and throw away a bottle of alcohol. And he just came running to me and he was just so upset about everything. And then I knew the pastor well and so I called him up and I asked him, hey, what's happening? And so we talked about it and I knew what was happening. He was talking to a guy who had just planning to commit suicide. He had drunk himself. He had drank so much alcohol, silly and ready to commit suicide. The last thing he did is I just called pastor and tell him my, he wanted to confess before he killed himself. And the pastor drove an hour away, okay, picked him up. Took that bottle and threw it up. And all this guy saw was the pastor throwing the bottle of alcohol. And he was so upset about everything. You know, and the point is, and the funny thing, same thing, you know, happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I shared with some people, I was at the Rangers game with all the teachers. A lot, a bunch of the teachers had got free tickets to the Rangers game. And so we all went. And so I, I like, okay, I'm going to go get something to drink. And me and two, three other teachers walked. Guess what everybody else did? Hey, they took out, just buy me a beer, buy me this, buy me that. And I'm like... Uh, what if someone looks at me? I'm carrying my Coke and beer and everything else. And person's carrying four drinks. Another person's carrying five. What do I do? And I was so like, what if somebody sees me here? And then finally I was like, if they're going to jump to a conclusion just seeing what I'm doing right now without knowing all the facts, there's nothing I can do. You know, and so sometimes we're just so quick to judge. And I don't know, I just laughed about it because I, I realized there were several Sagu professors at the same game. I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't see them or they didn't see me. It's just weird. But sometimes you just get caught. So what should I do? The old, old school of thinking was don't associate with sinners or scoffers and everything else. You don't live in a world like that anymore. But don't be quick to judge when you don't have all the facts. We live in a world that does not give the benefit of the doubt to the person. I mean, if you've learned anything from the whole political system right now, it's they will not give you a chance to even say anything. What's the rule here? Guilty till, what, what's the word? Innocent till proven guilty. But we do the total opposite. Even in the church, when we are supposed to show grace and mercy, we don't. I'd rather err, and I've said this to many people, I would rather err on the side of grace and mercy. Let, me, let them find fault because I'm too gracious and too merciful rather than God finding fault for me being judgmental and not giving people a chance. We don't judge but before we know all the points. Here's another one. And the Bible talks about this a number of passages, especially Paul. We don't judge people based on their external religious practices. Why do you think we have so many denominations? 
because we could not get along with someone who wanted to take something else do church service another way some church services if a woman and i've been i've preached in some of these i had to get all we weren't allowed to wear they don't allow you to wear jewelry any kind of jewelry you know and so you go to the services and when i'd be there with the team i'd say hey we're just going to minister here let's just take it off and we you know another service if the woman does not cover a her head the pastor i heard a pastor call that lady out cover your head don't you have respect for god's presence let's be careful not to judge people based on their external religious practices just because they meet on saturday doesn't make them less holy because we meet on sundays okay let's not judge and the bible tells us that in colossians especially when it comes to eating and drinking colossians 2:16 says therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat drink or in regard to religious festivals a new moon celebration or a sabbath day they are a shadow of things to come reality however is found in christ Paul is saying it's wrong to judge people based on these external things especially when it comes to what they eat or drink when i judge someone based on that if i judge someone just based on the way they express their worship to god i'm missing the point i'm missing the point i know some people love they are so disrespectful i remember growing up someone was playing some faster songs in church and they they're being so disrespectful god doesn't like rock music i was like they are worshiping god allow them to worship god the way they want to worship god you direct them to make it true honest worship you know but we're quick to condemn people and that's what romans 14 if you read the whole chapter later that's basically what it's talking about romans 14 is accept him who is weak in the faith without passing judgment on disputable matters one man's faith allows him to eat everything but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does for god has accepted them i know it sounds so petty but it really happens all the time we look down on somebody else because somebody else and this is the other way around actually we use our freedom and rub it into someone else's face saying hey you need to grow up and understand the freedom we have in christ we can't do that and that's what paul is talking about here i mean i know people who fought how many of you like pork chops okay oh, i love pork chops now we know the bible says not to eat pork and i have had person just beat down on me for 2 hours because i ate pork and i'm like come on can we worship god together in heaven we're going to be standing side by side with pork breath worshiping god you know and you'd get that but people think about it and know we laugh but we make we make divisions out of the smallest things possible we need to be careful to not judge people just based on what they have to do don't let's and let, on the other side don't don't use our freedom okay to rub it in someone else's face someone's weaker in the faith because we say hey he needs to grow up they need to understand what's happening here no the question always remains for the sake of the weaker brother do not be a stumbling block that's got to be the motivation there i can give up eating meat if it means someone else is going to come to christ i can give up taking away my wedding ring and putting it in my pocket while i'm preaching in a service so that somebody there in that service will know christ better it doesn't mean much to me i'm secure in my faith 
but I'm okay if I have to make Heather cover her head. If I'm preaching the gospel and if that's going to be a hindrance to someone hearing the word of God, I'm okay. Heather, just cover your head. It's okay. I know people, I mean, in, people were upset between having, and this is so silly and ridiculous to me. They were upset because we were having red grape juice because it was like wine. And I'm like, what? So they all started, the whole church, this church split because they wanted to have white colored grape juice and another group wanted to have red colored grape juice. It sounds silly, right? We had a church split because of that. Why? Because you just, you know, and you find people who will just agree with you and then we do that and we judge each other and talk bad about each other when there's really no difference between it. You know, we have, you have the wine lines and we were in Canada, uh, and we were at the church that we were going to. They had a wine line and then they had a grapefruit line. And of course, where does Heather go? She has no clue what's happening. She stands in the wine line. And I just, I was at the back. And when I see her, she's right at the end. I didn't want to go pull her out from there. And she goes, she dips it in there, takes it. Man, that grape juice tasted funny. And I was just, I remember that happening real well. She just hates me for that. I was like, what can I do? You were like two people. There was like a long line. I can't pull you out there. Heather, that's the wine line. Go to the grape juice line. (laughs) Her face was so funny. That grape juice tasted a little funny. But it's just just different. We need to understand people, cultural contexts are so different. We can't. I remember going to, uh, when I was in England, and these are, I went for a pastor's meeting to England, and I probably shared this with some of the youth. I went to a pastor's meeting, all AG pastors, most of them are assemblies of God pastors, okay, from all over the world, they're there. And we had this great meeting in the morning, and that evening they all say, Sid, do you want to go to the pub tonight? And I was like, oh, no, I can't. And then I realized I was the only person in that whole, out of the 40 pastors, I was the only person, there was no dinner. They go to the pub to eat dinner. That's what they do in England. You know, and so the first night after the first night, and I realized how quick I was to judge somebody. You know, and then I realized all they do, that's where they all get together. That's where they all, and these are all assemblies of God people. And hey, I'm not saying go to the pub or anything of that sort. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say be careful how we judge and be quick to, and when it hit home for me is one of these guys from Australia. He was beaten and imprisoned for his faith in Christ. Imprisoned for two years for his faith in Christ in a country that, I mean, I can't mention, but it's in a country that was really anti-gospel. And he stood for his faith, was beaten and imprisoned for two years. And I stood there in judgment because he went for dinner in a pub. And I'm like, what really matters at the end of the day? Okay, and I'm not encouraging anyone. Please understand my heart here. Let's not be quick to judge people just because of the way they practice. You look at the genuineness. Are they really worshiping God? That's what matters at the end of the day matter what matters at the end of the day doesn't matter whether you have red grape juice or white grape juice doesn't matter we're here to celebrate the lord's table to remember what he has done let's focus on the main thing there not be quick to judge just because they have practices i remember one church and it's just it's i just listed so many things and came flooding to my head because we had real bread this person would not take communion i like why Because it has yeast in it. I'm like, okay. It's your conviction. I'm not going to force you to do something else. And then he gave me all the scriptures in the Bible which says it was unleavened bread. I said, I know it was unleavened bread. But you just pick on things that really don't matter at the end of the day. We will be standing side by side worshiping God together. 
Let's focus on that. Let's not judge people based on just an external practice that they have. Some people like singing hymns. Some people like fast songs. It doesn't matter. We worship God together. It's wrong to judge people, especially in this context right here, when it causes you to speak evil or bad about another person. Definitely. That's what slander is all about. Pulling down someone else. Talking bad about another Christian. Ruining someone's reputation very innocently probably. But we need to be careful that we don't judge people. Which causes in a way that causes the other person to be humiliated. We need to be really careful. We don't excuse sin. Please understand this. We don't excuse sin but we don't condemn and humiliate people either. We need to learn to encourage I'd rather us be known as a church that encourages people. Encourages people. Rather than someone who's just here to speak evil. And next one. We don't judge. And this is. We can't. Let me say this carefully. We can't be quick to judge people's motives. We can't be quick to judge people's motives. Because 1 Corinthians 4. He talks about therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Allow God to be the judge and in his time he will expose the motives of men's hearts. Let's not be quick to judge a person's motives because again, it goes back to the point, we don't have all the facts. We do not have all the facts. So don't jump to a conclusion. Just don't jump to a conclusion that you have figured somebody out just because you're quick to judge his motives. You really do not know the whole picture. Allow God, because God, he can't escape it. God is going to be, there's going to be a time when God is going to expose the motives of everybody's hearts. Let's show grace instead of being quick to judge somebody's motives. As I conclude, just points to remember. That I will be judged the same by the same standard that I judge others. I will be judged by the same standard that I judge others. Again, Jesus in Matthew 7 says, Do not judge others so that God will not judge you. For God will judge you in the same way you judge others. He will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. And every time I read that portion, I really say I'm in trouble because I have a tendency to judge people by a different standard and judge myself by a very different standard. I excuse myself a lot more than I excuse others. And I look at that, read that verse, and I really like, man, God, forgive me. The way we judge others, the same measure we give out, the same measure we're going to get. That's the, what the Bible says. If you want to help If you want help breaking the habit of being critical towards people, realize that God is going to judge you by the same matter. And that's a very sobering thought. Also remember, I will be judged the same standard that I used to judge others. Always And also remember, God is going to hold us all accountable individually. There is going to be a day when I will stand before God and he's going to hold me accountable for what I did, what I said. 
God is going to hold us accountable. Every one of us then will have to give an account of himself to God. That's what the Bible says. You are not accountable for someone else's life. You are accountable. You don't have to report for someone else basically. But God is going to hold you accountable and judge you based on what you and the way you lived your life. He is going to hold you accountable. There will be one day when we will have to stand before God. And face him, the judge of all things. Again, how is he going to judge? He's going to judge honestly. He's going to judge fairly. Going to judge truthfully without favoritism. He is a righteous judge, the Bible says. He's not going to listen to someone else's opinion about you. It's just between you and him. It's just between you and him. It's just, you know, that thought makes me stop in my tracks very often also. Because God is impartial and he's not going to look, you know... Somehow we think he's going to weigh our good things and our bad things. And whichever side is better, he's going to let us go. It doesn't matter. He's going to hold us accountable for the good things we do and the bad things we do. It's not going to one going to cancel out each other right there. Every single thing we do is going to come before God. And we are going to stand before him and report for ourselves. What did you do with the love that I have given you? What did you do with the son that you have known? Jesus that you know, what have you done with that? He's going to judge us based and hold us accountable. Hold us accountable for what we did. And the last thing I said, remember that he will judge us by the same standard that we use to judge people. Remember that each one of us is going to be accountable. And also remember how merciful God has been to you before you judge people. You've got to. Because the Bible in James, and we read this earlier, mercy triumphs over judgment. Before we judge people, let's stop to remember how gracious, how merciful God has been to us. Again, it's a very humbling experience when we realize how much God has poured out on us. How merciful He has poured out on us. And I always think about the, the parable that Jesus uses about the... The master who had the servant who owed him money. He owed him what? Say $100,000. And he forgave him. But this guy goes out and catches someone who owes him $100 and does what? Throws him in prison. And what does the master do when he hears the story? He says, I showed you mercy, but you didn't show mercy. When you realize how much mercy you have been shown, how much grace God has poured out in your life, there's something about that that makes you sympathetic and empathetic and understanding. And so when we need to remember, is blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Got to remember, we got to be patient with people because God has been patient with me. I got to be kind to people because God has been so kind to me. I got to learn to love people because God has loved me so much. Let's not be quick to judge. And here's the thing. Let's never take advantage of God's grace either. Somehow I feel in my experience as a pastor and just as a Christian, the older I become as a Christian, the more I take God's grace for granted. 
Because as an early Christian, and I've seen this in so many people, so great. When they're first saved, you know, they see the amount of sin they were in and how much God has touched them. And they're so grateful and everything else. But as they grow in the Lord and technically grow in the Lord and be in church long enough, they tend to take God's grace for granted after some time and forget to show mercy. Let's remember, God is a God of mercy. Grace. We show grace because God first show grace. I want to end with this poem. It, called, it says, I stood on the street of a busy town, watching men tearing a building down. With a ho heave ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and a side wall fell. I asked the foreman of the crew, are those men as skilled as those you'd hire if you'd wanted to build? Oh, no. No, indeed. Just common laborers are all I need. I can tear down as much in a day or two as would take a skilled man a year to do. And then I thought as I went my way, just which of these two roles am I trying to play? Have I walked life's road with care, measuring each deed with rule and square? Or am I one of those who roam the town content with labor of tearing down? It doesn't take much to tear down, but takes a long time to build up. When we judge, very often we tear down. But God has called us to build up. Bow your heads with me real quick. Like I said, it's just... I didn't know what to say really with this passage, but the challenge of not being judgmental. Yes, there are portions of scripture, and I will touch on that sometime about judge and when it's right to judge someone. But majority of the time, it says do not judge. Do not be critical, rather. Let's not excuse Let's not excuse being judgmental. I'm not saying don't be unwise in relationships and everything else. Yes, we need judgment, we need discernment, and we need the Holy Spirit. But you know what we're talking about here. You know what Paul is talking about. I mean, what James is talking about. Just remember that as much as you judge, he's going to use that same measure that same way you judge, he will also judge you. Remember that you will be held accountable. You will be held accountable to God and before God one day. There's going to be a day where you've got to step up and give an account. We'll be judged by God on that day. And also let's remember, before we judge, remember God's mercy. Remember how gracious He's been to us. The reason I'm... The reason I'm patient is because I know how patient He has been to me, with me. Church, none of us get what we deserve. It's just His grace and His mercy. Let's not take God's grace for granted.
Thank you, Jesus. God, forgive us, God, for times when we've been just quick to, to judge, to condemn, to just write off, to give up on people, Lord. things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Lord, I pray you open our eyes to that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we'll be bridge builders rather than people who just tear down walls. Thank you, Father, once again. Help us, Lord. Help us allow you to be you, God. Let God be God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's stand to our feet and let's just...